Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Today we're going to be in Romans uh, chapter 13 and the last four verses, verse 11 uh, through 14. And while we're back in, in Romans, if, if you're visiting uh, today or your first time with us, we, we're doing a long series uh, going verse by verse through the book of Romans on Sunday morning. Last week we... Uh, uh, kind of went away from that in order just to focus on, on the Lamb of God through the Scriptures and, and partake of the Lord's Supper to kind of prepare our hearts uh, for today, Easter Sunday. And uh, and while the uh, the the message today is is in Romans and it's the theme we've been following about service, the the sub thought the subtitle of the day is this: we need to we need to wake up uh, on Easter Sunday when we think about Jesus having died for us. And taking his life back up, uh, taking his life back up from the, from the dead. Uh, in light of the fact that he got up, we need to wake up uh, ourselves and, and serve him better. If indeed you know Christ as your savior. If not, you need to wake up and trust him, uh, as, as your savior. Um, the last part of the book of Romans deals with service to God. And uh, he started back in really chapter 12 telling us that we need to be certain things. Uh, and he tells us that we need to be, in Romans 13, uh, the best Christian citizen or the best representative of Christ uh, we can be in the culture that we live in. Uh, more or less, the, the thought process is this. Uh, Paul in the book of Romans has already written about sin, how we're all sinners, and we can't save ourselves. He's written about salvation and how salvation comes as a free gift from God uh, when we trust in Jesus Christ by faith. He's written about uh, sanctification, how through Jesus God sets us apart to himself and puts us in his family. And he's a sovereign God that will never, ever, ever break his promise. And in light of all those things, we ought to serve him. A lot of times if we're not careful with the Christian message or with church type stuff, it will sound like we're given the wrong idea. Because we talk about serving God, do this and don't do that. And if we're not careful, we'll communicate to people the idea of, well, if we serve Him good enough, we get to go to heaven. As though by our works or our performance, we're making ourselves right with God. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. Because none of us can earn our way to heaven. None of us can be good enough to go to heaven. It's all through Jesus and what He did for us. And that's accepting that salvation as a free gift. So when we believe in Jesus, in light of what he's done for us, then we ought to serve him. We're not serving him so we can go to heaven. We're serving him because we've been forgiven, because we've been brought into his family. And if you don't know Christ as Savior, please get that message this morning. Don't go away thinking there's a uh, stairway to heaven that you have to climb yourself. Jesus did it for you at the cross. Jesus shed his blood and paid for your sin and for my sin at the cross. And what we have to do is believe in him. Trust in that and nothing else is what uh, is what we have to do. But anyway, he was telling us things that we need to be. 
He started out in Romans 12, and he more or less told us you, you need to give yourself as a living sacrifice. Uh, he, he told us you need to be a part of the body, part of the church that actually does something. You need to function and do something. He told us that we as Christians ought to be examples of love. He told us we ought to be patient instead of trying to uh, carry out uh, justice against someone, recognize God will do that out in the future. And then he comes to this theme that we've been in for a few Sundays now uh, about how you and I need to be the best representatives we can for Christ in the culture in which we live. There are several reasons why uh, we should do that. The first reason he gave us in Romans 13 is simply because of, 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 of judgment. In other words, you're scared if you break the law, you're going to get arrested. That's the one reason why, you know, you ought to try and be the best person you can be in your culture. To try and be the best uh, Christian citizen you can be. Simply for that. That's one reason why. It's not the best reason, but it is a reason why. That you might get arrested if you break the law. We had an Easter egg hunt yesterday for the kids here. And I'm pleased to report to you, we had the most secure Easter egg hunt of any church in Caldwell County. You may be wondering, why in the world would I say that? Well, because several uh, sheriff's deputies that come to day three were on duty. Their kids were here. They wanted to see their kids. So we had like three or four, uh, you know, sheriff's deputies' cars in the parking lot, and they were actually in uniform walking around. And we had a granite police car here, and one of them was in uniform also walking around. So the message was to anyone driving by, you better not stop and mess with our kids. You know, pretty, pretty secure place that we had. So, you know, that's one reason why to obey the law. If you, if you don't obey the law, if you don't try to be the best Christian you ought to be, then you, you just might get arrested. Uh, another reason is for conscience sake. And he told us that in Romans 13, simply because we know what's right and wrong. We ought to do what's right. And then a third reason that he gave us was for love. And if you think about it, each one of these are high reasons. Failing to get arrested is kind of a low-level reason. It is a reason. Doing it because you know what's right and wrong is a step up. Doing it because of love, Christian love in your heart, is the next step up. But then he gets to the pinnacle of it. The reason why you and I ought to be the best Christians we can be in our culture, in our society, the reason we ought to be the best citizens we can be is not just because you're afraid you might get arrested, not just because you know what's right and wrong, not just because of love. The highest reason, the highest motive is this. We ought to do it simply for the sake of Jesus. We ought to do it as Christians simply for the sake of Christ. That's our highest motive for being the best that we can be for Jesus. Look at what Paul writes in verses 11 through 14. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Highest level, highest reason why we ought to try and be the best Christians we can be. That we ought to be the best example we can be, the best representatives of Christ we should be in the world that we live in, the culture that we live in, is to do it for the sake of Jesus. With that in mind, I want you to notice two things this morning. Here's the first one. 
As Christians, we need a sense of urgency in our lives. We need to have a wake-up call. A sense of urgency. To where we recognize in light of what God has done for us in Christ, and in light of time passing by, you and I need to be the best Christians we can be and be serving Him at the highest level we can serve Him. In light of the soon return of Christ, that's really what He's talking about in these verses, that Jesus is going to come back. The day is almost here. The night is far gone. And Jesus will return. In, in response to that reality, we should have this sense of urgency about us that Christ could come back at any moment. And that we need to wake up and be serving Him the best that we can serve Him. He said, because you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. I want you to notice uh, some, some words that he uses there. The word for time uh, is not the normal word that we might think of for time. Uh, there are different Greek words in the Bible that's, that's translated time. One is, is a time that is, is a chronos time. And that's where we get our idea from a chronograph or a clock. And that just talks about the, the hands of the seconds passing by and minutes going by. But that's not the word that he uses here. The, the word that's used here is the same word that is used for the name of the prison ministry that some of us have been involved with. Because he uses the word kairos. And the word for kairos is also talking about time, but it speaks of a special time, an opportune time, a, a set or a proper time. That's the reason they named the prison ministry that, because whenever we get a chance to go there into Alexander Maximum Security Prison and minister to them, we're hoping it will be an opportune time, a set time, a time for us to try and change their lives through the love of Christ. And in a similar way, we need to recognize that we have that type of time, that Kairos time is passing by. You have opportunities that God has planned for you. Day in and day out as you live your lives, there are people that you come in contact with, people that God puts before you. And if we're going to be the best servants we can be, we need to seize hold of the opportunities that God gives us. Instead of letting those opportunities pass by, we need to be trying to seize those opportunities, understand it's an opportune time to serve God. And he tells us we need to wake up and, uh, you know, just, it's literally talking about waking up from, from a physical sleep, but here he's using it in spiritual terms to where we need to wake up. We need to kind of collect our faculties. We need to arouse from a, a sleep or a spiritual stupor is what he's talking about. You ever had someone call you on the phone and, and you're asleep? Maybe it was Saturday and, uh, they didn't think about it being Saturday and you were wanting to sleep in and, uh, you know, someone calls you at 7 a.m. or something on Saturday morning. You appreciated that, didn't you? And, uh, but anyway, the phone rings, and you hear the phone ring, but you reach over to grab it, and you answer the phone, and even though you recognize the phone is ringing, and, and, and you're talking, you're kind of in this, you know, stupor a little bit, and you're trying to process things, and you, you're hearing, but you might not really be hearing. You ever been there before? You know, then you try and cover up, don't you? Oh, no, I wasn't asleep. And it takes a few minutes to kind of really hear. And, and you see, the, the same thing regrettably happens to us as Christians because God's ringing our number up. 
And he wants us to wake up and he wants us to be serving him in the day in which we live. He wants us to be aware of this opportune time that's passing. He wants us to be aware of the fact that he could come back at any moment and we need to, we need to wake up and hear him. But since we're kind of in a spiritual stupor, we, it takes us a, a few minutes to really understand what he's saying. And what he's really saying is this, time is passing. I sent my son to die for you. Through my grace and my grace alone, I've saved you. There are people whose lives you need to impact. I'm coming back one day. You need to get busy before the time's gone. We, we need to wake up. It's a, it's a good message for Easter. I, I kind of did it intentionally, guys. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you because I was looking at Romans and I thought, what would be best for Easter? And then we did the Lord's Supper last week because I, you know, a lot of times people will come on Easter Sunday and Christmas and they think, well, we'll hear this traditional message. And, and to be honest with you, the traditional message is a dangerous message. But the problem is we've got so accustomed to it, we come and we're kind of numb to it. So I want you to come on Easter Sunday and, and you be told you need to wake up. I think that's God's message for us as Christians. Because Jesus died for us and he took his life up, we need to wake up. We, we need to wake up and make the, the most of opportune times to serve Him. We need to have a sense of urgency because our salvation is nearer to us now than it was when we first believed. Just like an alarm clock going off or the sun arising and stirring us up to go out and be with our families or face our day and go to our jobs or whatever the case might be. The soon coming of Jesus Christ ought to be like a spiritual alarm clock that is sounding in our ears that's calling us to do more to serve him that that's calling us to to wake up and and be busy serving him because our salvation is near now when we first believed see no one knows the day and the time Christ is coming back that's what he said no one knows when he will return But I can promise you something right now. It's closer now. If you're a Christian, it's closer right now than the day when you first trusted Him. Jesus coming today is closer than it was ten minutes ago. Closer than it was yesterday. We don't know when it will be, but we know He will come. And the awareness of the fact that He will come back ought to prompt us to where we have a desire, especially on this Easter Sunday when we're celebrating what He's done for us, where we have the desire to wake up ourselves because Jesus got up from the dead and do all that we can to serve Him. A wake-up call for Christians. You might be thinking, well, I've never trusted Christ, so shoo, He's not talking to me. Yeah, I am talking to you too, because if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you need to have a wake-up call, because He could come back in a moment's notice and you'd be lost. So if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you need to wake up to the reality that Jesus can come back in any moment. And you need to understand that He provided everything necessary for you to be forgiven, for you to be saved. On the cross, He screamed out, It is finished, before He bowed His head. He's paid everything necessary for you to experience salvation. James tells us this. James chapter 5, verse 89. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brother, so that you may not be judged. And he said, Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Do you see a couple of things there? He said that the coming of the Lord is at hand. James wrote that years, hundreds of years ago. And if it was true then, how much more true is it now? That the coming of Christ is at hand. And that He is the judge is at the door. So on this Easter Sunday, we as Christians need a wake-up call. And if you are not a Christian, you need a wake-up call that you need to trust in Christ.
That's the whole reason even we have Easter, because of what Jesus did for us. Not only do we need to have a sense of urgency and, and wake up, also as Christians today, as we look at these verses that Paul writes here in Romans 13, we need to have a sense of style, and we need to clean up. A lot of people are really worried about style and fashion, you know? Pay buku bucks just to have a designer name or whatever the case might be. Our culture is kind of obsessed with having to have the latest fashion and the latest style and exactly how we ought to look. Well, in, in these verses, I think we're, we're told a lot about how we ought to look. Look what he writes. He says, the night is far gone. That's simply talking about the time that we're in now, the time before Christ comes, the, the time of evil, the time of darkness. It's, it's far gone. The day, and that's referring to the fact that Christ is coming back. The day is at hand. So in light of that, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, walk as we should, as in the daylight. Not in these very sins that we'll talk about in just a moment. But instead, what we ought to be doing is putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of in our lives making provision for the flesh to gratify its desires, we ought to be putting on Christ and, and serve Him. So having said that, let's think about how we ought to dress. <laughs> the reason I hesitate to say that, because typically when you hear that at church, you know what happens typically when that topic comes up at church? You hear a message about, well, women shouldn't wear pants, and... Seeing to wear shorts and shouldn't wear jeans at church or whatever the case might be. And I realize people need to dress proper, but I also understand this. There's a higher thing to talk about than the externals. Because if we get this right in here, it'll take care of the externals. And as he writes about what we ought to wear. He's, he's not talking about the, the external. He's talking about the spiritual, not the physical. When he said that day is right at hand, the night's gone, and we need to cast something off, and we need to put something on. We need to cast off the works of darkness, and we need to put on the armor of light. In, in light of the soon return of Jesus, we need to have a sense of urgency, but we also need to have a sense of of spiritual style. Look at some words that he uses here. I kind of put it all together in some phrases. He tells us to cast off works of darkness. And that simply means that we ought to put away anything that looks like. You know, if, if anything that looks like you're working or toiling or an occupation for deeds of shadiness or darkness, anything that's evil, uh, you, you need to cast it off. The word also meant this, to cast off what you try to do in obscurity. Because see, I'm, I'm afraid a lot of people think like this. No one's watching. And since no one's going to see me, I can do this and get away with it. It's really dark. You know, I mean, I'm in the darkness right now, so no one can actually see who I am and what I'm doing. And because of that, we'll, we'll do things that we shouldn't do. We, we, need to, we need to cast off even the idea that there's things that you and I can do in obscurity. We need to cast off Spiritually, anything that represents darkness in our lives. 
And what we need to do then is put something on. We need to put on the armor of light. And, and the, the word that's used there, put on, means just to sink into something. We, we need just as believers just to sink in to God's armor of light. The, the word for armor uh, refers to even a weapon or a tool uh, of offense and war. And, uh, and, uh, and all. So we, we need to think of ourselves like that. As we allow God's truth to mold our lives, we need to understand that God's truth needs to be like an, like armor for us or even a weapon for us. Instead of thinking of it as something defensive, it's something actually offensive to where we as believers are to be on the offense as we go out and, and we serve Jesus. And it's to be putting on light, not putting on darkness. We're to be putting on His truth. In applying His truth to our to our lives, Ephesians tells us a whole lot uh, about that that we'll look at in in just a moment. But um, here in First John it says, "But and now children abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him." And you see, if it, when He returns, instead of you having this worry about having to shrink back because of the way your life looks, we ought to. Be able to approach Him with confidence. If you know that He's righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. And then it goes on into chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called the children of God, and so we are. And the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Believer belongs to God at that time. You're His child once you become a Christian. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know when He appears, when Christ comes back, we'll be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. But I want you to focus in on verse 3. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself because He is pure. There's a, there's a danger in our culture today, I think, even in church culture. Yes, thank God we're saved by the grace of God. But we're not saved by the grace of God to go live any way we desire to live. We're saved to live for Him. And because He's pure, if we've got this hope in Him, then we ought to be purifying ourselves. We ought to be casting off the works of darkness that He was talking about. We need to be dressing ourselves spiritually as we should, cast off what is wrong and put on what is right. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. We won't take time to, to read it this morning, but I'm just going to pull some of the, the highlights out. But there Paul writes these words. We're to put on the whole armor of God. Not just part of it. Not part that covers my life over here, but I still kind of want to do what I want to do over here. We're to put on the whole armor of God that we can stand against Satan's schemes. God's truth is supposed to be like a belt around our waist for us. God's truth is supposed to be like armor that protects our hearts, a breastplate over your heart. God's truth, God's word ought to be like shoes that guide our feet, our steps, our choices, what we do in life. God's truth ought to be like a shield that, that we can use to stop evil attacks. God's truth ought to be like a helmet that, that guards our minds. 
And please, please, please don't get the wrong message because it's not a message of you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this, you have to do that in order to earn your standing with God. No, that's not it. The message is, it's by grace you're saved through faith in Jesus, period. It's not a works because we'd boast about it. But in light of the fact that we've been saved by His grace, we ought to be allowing His truth to change our lives. We ought to be allowing His truth to change the way we look, to where we look more like Him. When you think about what you ought to wear, it's not in, in the realm of, you know, all, is, 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 what does this clothing look like? It's, it's what does this look like in here? Are you allowing God's, God's truth to change your life in here? Because like I said earlier, if you're allowing, if you're putting the right thing on in here instead of putting on darkness, if you're putting on light in here, it's going to take care of the outside of the externals. So we talk about needing to have a sense of style. Second thing, we ought to consider is how we ought to walk, how we should deport ourselves, how we should live. What's our walk going to be like in, in this world? Paul writes in verse 13, Let us walk properly as in the daylight, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. He's saying there's a, a proper way that we ought to walk. The word walk means just to tread all around, so it kind of covers your whole life. You're walking at large wherever you go. You need to be thinking about allowing God's truth to mold your life. And you ought to go out and walk at large properly with the right kind of spiritual decor, with the right spiritual decency, with the right honesty in your life. Because of what Jesus did for you, that's the way you ought to walk. And then he tells us some things that we should not walk in. He uses the word orgies, which really just could talk about partying or reveling. He uses the word drunkenness. Drinking alcohol to the point of becoming intoxicated because when a person does that, they do all kinds of things they wouldn't normally do. So he says that we're to avoid drunkenness. We're to avoid sexual immorality. The word in the Greek means a couch or cohabitation. I'm not going to read the rest of the word definition. You can read it for yourself. See it? See it? See it? You know why I'm not going to read it? Because I don't want somebody coming here today and going away. And so I went to Easter services at Day 3 Church and the pastor said this. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. The Bible can be pretty raw sometimes, can't it? You put all that together, that lets you know what's taking place on the couch, right? And in how we ought to avoid sexual immorality or licentiousness or quarreling and wrangling them because that leads to other things or, or jealousy where you've got this zeal driving your, your life and you're jealous over what somebody else has or you're just jealous over someone else and that leads all to kinds of other problems in your life. He, he's telling us that we need to walk in the proper way is what he's saying as Christians. You, you might could, could phrase it like this. You and I need to walk as though everybody in the world can see everything that we do. He said, walk is in the daylight. If you're walking is in the daylight with a mentality that you're exposed. You're not over here trying to do something in darkness like I talked about earlier in the word study that you think no one will see. As believers, in light of what Christ did for us on the cross, in light of His soon return, we need to be walking in a way as though everyone sees us. 
I, I remember in, in Hebrews where it talks about, you know, we're running a race before this great cloud of witnesses. And uh, I remember years ago when I was first reading that, and I, and, and I kind of, really, I started feeling guilty about some things because I was thinking, so my grandmother that used to read the Bible to me, you know, what if she's part of that great cloud of witnesses and she's looking down and she sees when well, I make those choices and then the Holy Spirit wiped that away really quick because you, you, you want to understand something. That's, it's not that that's unimportant, but here's what is important. God always sees. We, we need to live our lives and walk in a way that we're under the awareness that God always sees. There's no place we can hide from God. That's why we need to walk in, in a proper way. That's what Paul's calling us to. Because of what Jesus did for us, we should never actively plan to sin, but we should actively plan to serve God. In, in, the soon, in the light of the soon return of Jesus Christ coming back, we need to cast things off and we need to put the right thing on. God's Word, God's light, and we need to walk in a way that reveals that's true in our lives. I can't remember where I first heard it years ago. I heard someone say a statement that really has stuck with me. Character is doing what is right, even when no one's watching. Because of the truth of the matter is this, once again, God is always watching. Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 17 says, Look carefully then on how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Are you aware that the Bible tells us that, regrettably, in the end times, lawlessness is going to prevail? Are are you aware that in the end times, the Bible says things are going to get worse and worse? That more and more people will be rejecting the truth of God, that even governments will be rejecting God's truth and Christian principles. Are you aware the Bible teaches that? Are you aware when you look at our culture that we live in today that that's taking place right now, that that's happening? That's why we need this wake-up call this morning in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back. We need to be serving Him the best that we can. If you're a Christian, you need to wake up and you need to clean up. If you're not a Christian, you need to wake up and you need to clean up. And the only way you can clean up is by trusting in Christ. Last thing about this sense of style I want you to see is, is this. Who, who we should look like. Who we should look like. Yeah, when I was talking a few minutes ago about people uh, being obsessed about having the latest style or whatever, a lot of people are obsessed, obsessed about looking like their, their favorite movie star. Or they're obsessed about looking like their favorite rock star. Or their favorite sports hero, or whatever the case might be. But for you and I as believers, we have a different hero. We have a different star. And then there's someone else that we ought to look like. And Paul tells us this, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. He's telling us something positive and he's telling us something negative. The positive thing we need to do is put on Jesus. The negative thing there that he tells us that that needs to take place is that we need to get the stuff out of our lives. You see, that feels negative to us, but it's not really. What we need to do is be putting on Christ 
We need to deliberately, daily put him on. We need to think about that as we live our lives. Maybe we ought to get up and, you know, out of bed first thing in the morning when we wake up and think about that. Jesus, I'm putting you on and I'm going to live for you today. Maybe every time a temptation comes our way, we need to stop and hesitate and think as Christians, we have put Jesus on and we are wearing him and we need to allow that to impact the way that we live. We need to wake up and we need to clean up in light of what Jesus has done for us. And really, putting Jesus on is the only thing that equips you to do the other stuff we've already talked about today. Putting Jesus on equips you to cast off the deeds of darkness. Putting Jesus on equips you to wear an armor of light. Putting Jesus on helps you to be what you need to be for Him. 2 Corinthians tells us this, chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you put him on. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. If you know Christ is your Savior, there ought to be changes that's taking place in your life. We're told this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Christ. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner in life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What Paul is basically saying in the text in Romans and what I just read in Ephesians is that you and I in a, in a conscious, deliberate awareness we need to be putting Jesus on in our lives. As you try to live your life, if you're a Christian, you need to deliberately be putting Him on. Yes, you have by faith, but I'm talking about in a practical way to help you live like we need to live for Him. He died for us. We ought to live for Him. He's coming back. We ought to live for Him. We need to deliberately do that. Jesus is the one we ought to look like. Understand, but a little bit different Easter message for you, but I think it is exactly where God wants us to be because I'm convinced that I need to wake up. I'm convinced that you need to wake up and that all believers need to wake up because of what Jesus has done for us. We need to wake up and serve Him better. Because Jesus is coming back, we need to wake up and serve Him better. Because of what He's done for us, we need to clean up and live our lives for Him. Because Jesus is coming back, you need to clean up and be prepared for Him coming back and not be ashamed in that moment when He comes back because of what He has done for us. Whenever we uh, get cleaned up physically, what we normally do is this. We recognize I'm dirty, I need a bath. (laughs) You take your clothes off, you go get in the shower, you clean up, get all spruced up. The odor, perfume, whatever you're doing, and then 
Then you put your clothes on and you dress up. That's the way you physically clean up. Spiritually, is exactly the opposite. Because spiritually, you and I don't have the ability to clean ourselves. So what we have to do spiritually to clean up is to put Jesus on first. Exact opposite of what you do physically. You get clothed first. You put Jesus on first. And that takes care of the rest of the stuff. You put Him on first and allow the faith that you have in Him to change the way that you live. To provoke you to serve Him better. To cause you to cast things off and to put things on that He wants in your life because you put Him on first. So where are you today in that? Is Have you ever, any time in your life, have you ever put on Christ? Have you ever trusted in Him as Savior? You see, if not, there's no better time than a day. I believe on Easter Sunday when we're celebrating the fact that He died for us, paid for our sins, took His life back up, so we can have everlasting life. Great time if you've never ever trusted in Jesus to say yes to Him this morning. If you already have... That's great. But as Christians, if we would look at the world around us, look at passing kairos moments, passing times of opportunity to serve Christ, I think all of us would recognize we need to wake up and we need to clean up. And as Christians, we need to serve Him better. Putting Christ on basically really just means this. It means you're becoming more like Jesus. I think all of us got room to improve in that area, don't you? Let's pray. Father, we thank You today. We celebrate. We praise You for Your great plan of salvation to where You sent Your Son to die on the cross for our sins. Father, I thank You today. It's not based upon my performance because I would never know when I had been good enough. I thank You, Lord, it's based totally in the finished work of Jesus as He died on the cross and He shouted out, it is finished, that He's paid everything necessary for our forgiveness. Father, if there's someone here today that does not know that, they've never trusted in Christ, they, they've not placed their faith, their eternity upon the finished work of Jesus, help them right now to understand it's not about who they are, it's not about their goodness, it's not about their performance, it's about them admitting to you that they cannot do it, that they're a sinner, they can't be good enough, and trusting completely in what Christ has done for them. God, help those of us that already know that. That know without any doubt we've trusted in Jesus. Help us to consider a wake-up call today. How we need to wake up and serve you better. In light of the passing time, the night is almost gone and the day of your return is almost at hand. Father, help us to clean up so we can serve you better. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.